right, welcome back to the big program. And yes, the streets of Philadelphia will be where game number one of the NLCS is tonight. And we welcome in Michael McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City covering the Phillies. Uh, Michael, welcome to Sports 1440. How are you this morning? Uh, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being on. You must be just jacked. The city uh, going bananas for the Phillies the last little while. Uh, what's the excitement uh, being generated for game number one tonight? Yeah, I mean, the Phillies, Phillies fever is probably out of 10. This is a team that has really sort of captured, uh, you know, the sports fans here in this city. And, uh, you know, the, the fans have given the Phillies one of the best uh, home field advantages in, in all of baseball. And there'll be another 45,000 people down at that stadium tonight making noise from uh, the first pitch to the last out. Yeah, man, just watching the, the fans' reaction uh, during these baseball playoffs in Philadelphia has been quite r- remarkable. Can you kind of tee up game number one? So we're going to have uh, uh, Zach Gallen for, on the hill for uh, Arizona, and he's from, I guess, South Jersey. Uh, you've just kind of penned an article about that. So what's that kind of dynamic look uh, as the Diamondbacks send? Zach Gallon to the Hill for game number one. Yeah, Zach grew up uh, about 10, 15 minutes from the stadium on the other side of the uh, Delaware River in South Jersey from Philadelphia, went to high school at Bishop Eustis, which is about a a 10-minute drive from Citizens Bank Park. Ironically, he grew up a St. Louis Cardinal fan, not a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Uh, But he's a guy who obviously has had a great season, has developed into one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, started the National League All-Star game uh, for the National League. And uh, the theory is, or the hope is, that he's a guy who's from Philadelphia. His mom is a diehard Phillies fan. She went to all three World Series games last year. Uh, He's grown up around Phillies fans his whole life. Uh, so maybe he'll be better equipped to sort of handle this uh, intimidating atmosphere of, of Citizens Bank Park. And, of course, he's facing Zach Wheeler, mm-hmm. who has just been uh, an outstanding pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, was outstanding in his two playoff starts. And I think tonight's key for uh, for Arizona, right? They, the Phillies have an advantage, I think, with overall pitching depth, both in the bullpen and both uh, in the starting rotation. And I think if Arizona is going to have a chance in this series, they've got to win tonight or tomorrow with their two best starters, Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, going. If the Phillies were able to take these first two games, I think the Diamondbacks would be in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Michael McGarry, uh, the press of Atlantic City, uh, is our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, how much is, uh, when you look at the pitching prowess of Wheeler, um, he's just seemed to have turned it up a notch this last little while. And I mean, it's almost in the sense that he's been unhittable. Uh, we saw that uh, in the Braves series. Um, but what's it been like to kind of cover this guy that's been just throwing BBs? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who when they signed him, you know, four years ago to a $100 million contract, you know, he was there were some question marks about him, right? He had come off some injury issues with the New York Mets. And with the New York Mets, he was kind of a middle of a rotation guy. The Mets had Jacob deGrom. They had Matt Harvey. Back then, Noah Syndergaard was throwing 100 miles an hour. So he was a third or fourth starter. And the question was, could he develop into an ace? And he's been all that and more for them. You know, he pitched outstanding this season. His record does not really 
reflect how well he pitched. He was done in by some poor defense early in the season. And since the playoffs have come around, he's just been outstanding. Uh, You know, a great start against Miami, a great start against Atlanta, and he's been everything you want in the number one starter. And when you combine him with Aaron Nola, who has had an inconsistent season, allowed a career number of home runs, seemed to fall um, susceptible to the big inning in a lot of his starts, he's turned it around you know, beginning with his last two starts of the regular season, and he's been excellent in the playoffs against Miami and Atlanta, and that gives Phillies quite the one-two punch, uh, you know, in the starting rotation. Yeah, for sure. Michael McGarry, uh, the press of Atlantic City, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So we all know that Arizona loves to manufacture runs. Um, They've got great speed, can can, uh, steal a base for sure with the best of them, tops in the league pretty well. Um, JT Real Muto is okay, maybe a little below average in run throwing out runners. Uh, how can the Phillies uh, keep this part of Arizona's game and limit the D-backs in that sense of manufacturing runs? Well, that's, that's obviously a big thing, right? I think the uh, Diamondbacks stole the second most bases in all of baseball. Only the Cincinnati Reds stole more. I think the Diamondbacks' advantage is they're young and athletic, and when they get on base, they're looking to, they're looking to go. Uh, the Phillies have tried to crack down on this beginning in September. Uh, you know, during the season, uh, they were really susceptible to guys running on them. Their pitchers were not doing a good job of holding runners on base, especially a lot of the relievers. Beginning in September, they kind of made a point of it to say, "Hey, we've got to, you know, we've got to uh, vary our sort of pickoff moves over there. We've got to vary our delivery times to the plate. We have to make this a priority." And so far, they have gotten better at it in September and, uh, you know, and in the playoffs. So that'll be a key. Uh, thing to watch right now are the Arizona Diamondbacks able to get their running game going against the Phillies and of course as JT Riamuto said yesterday you want to stop the running game the first thing you do is you don't allow people on base so uh, that that's where they'll start and then they'll go from there. Uh, Michael McGarry is our guest on Sports 1440 so can you uh, address what, what what it was like this season with Trey Turner when he got off to such a rough start and had that lull but now has come back and is the player that they all wanted and thought that he could be? Yeah, it was absolutely a crazy season for him because you know they signed him to the 11-year $300 million contract and then he is just awful in April, May, (laughs) June, and July. And I mean, so bad, it was hard to believe. I mean, I remember talking with Rob Thompson during the season uh, back then and just saying this, you can't explain it. He's, he's too good to be playing like this. He's healthy. He's 29 years old. He's in his prime. He's just too good to be playing like this. And then he had that game in Miami in early August where he made an error, made an out, was just a terrible game. Afterwards, he went to the batting cage to like two o'clock in the morning to take extra swings. And then they came home that Friday night and organically, and maybe with the help of a local radio producer, they got uh, the fans rose up and gave him a standing ovation Mm. before his first at bat, which is very unstereotypical Philly-like, right, basically. And ever since then, he's been the Trey Turner that everybody thought they were getting. And actually, JT Riamuto said yesterday yesterday that that standing ovation kind of relaxed the entire team because Mm -hmm. he said when one guy's getting booed on the team, you feel like everybody's getting booed on the team. And when the fans gave Turner that standing ovation, 
it kind of just said to everybody, okay, allowed everybody to take a deep breath and just focus, refocus themselves. And since then, you know, Turner has been the player that everybody thought he would be. And, uh, you know, the Phillies have gone on to their second straight, you know, appearance here mm-hmm. in the NLCS. Michael McGarry, Press of Atlantic Cities, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Having said that, the way that um, Turner has played, um, how much would you say the rest of the team, and, uh, you know, to an extent the city has jumped on the back of Bryce Harper, who is just having a phenomenal uh, postseason and, and really leading this club? Yeah, well, I, I think it all flows from him. And, and really, you look at him right now, so many guys signed big contracts to come to kind of northeast cities like Philadelphia, New York, and Boston, and Mm -hmm. they kind of struggle when they first get here. They don't uh, meet expectations. And now Bryce Harper with that 13-year, $300 million deal, I mean, he looks like he's underpaid, right, (laughs) basically. Since he's came, he's won an MVP. He was the MVP of the NLCS, won the World Series last year. And he's doing it again this year. I mean, he's hit nine home runs in 23 postseason games for the Phillies. Jason Wirth has the most home run, postseason home runs in franchise history with 11 in 40-something games. There doesn't seem to ever be a moment that he doesn't meet. The other night, you know, he hits two home runs, stares down Orlando Arcia of the Atlanta Braves and mm-hmm. what we uh, are referring to here as the attaboy game now. Uh, he's just met all expectations. And when your number one guy meets all expectations like that, it allows everybody to sort of fall in line behind him and he takes the pressure off everybody else. And, you know, I've just, I've seen a lot of free agents come to Philadelphia, New York and Boston and struggling. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of one who's come and met the moment like Harper has. Well, I mean, we've been talking about him with, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever met or know Frank Saravalli, who does a lot of our hockey talk out of Philadelphia. But, I mean, he mentioned it as well that, you know, this is a guy that been, you know, was on this cover of Sports Illustrated very early in his teens and for basically half of his life has been on the front page of the sports pages in, uh, you know, across the country and across the world. But he seems to have just risen to the occasion every time. Um, what what's that mean to the city of Philadelphia when a guy does that? Yeah, it's been a perfect marriage too. And and I I wrote a story the other day that the owner of the Phillies and the managing general partner called uh, John Middleton said it's been like a marriage, you know, with Bryce Harper when you commit to a guy for thirteen years and make him the face of your franchise. It, it uh, it's sort of like a marriage, and he has not made a wrong move since he's arrived at Philadelphia. Now, you know, he think, uh, people think he's pandering sometimes, and he'll even say people think I'm pandering, but he'll say, I flat out love this place. I mean, he'll listen to the local uh, WIP sports talk show. He'll reference mm-hmm. callers during the season. He said he had a home run for Chuck from Mount Airy, who was a caller <laughs> into the show that day. Uh, you know, he shows up... Uh, you know, wearing a suit the other night with uh, pictures of the Philadelphia city skyline on the liner of his jacket. I mean, he just has not made a wrong move. And I think you make a great point there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bryson Stott, who's one of his good friends on the team, we ask him, like, how can Bryce come through all these in these big spots? And he basically said the guy's been famous since he was 11 and 12 years old. He's just used to it, basically. And, And Harper himself said the other night, 
that that was the pressure when he was 11 and 12, wanting to be the, the number one draft pick, going to junior college early, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16. That was the pressure. This is all just having fun. So I guess there is something to that. Yeah, for sure. Michael McGarry, Press of Atlantic City on Sports 1440. And the guy that's holding this all together is a Canadian, and you touched on him, Rob right. Thompson, the manager. Um, we're proud of that up here north of the border. I think when he was hired, maybe a lot of fans in Philadelphia, they maybe weren't sure that he was the right guy for the job, but I guess his demeanor and his uh, personality really seem to be the glue that holds everything together. How would you kind of react to Rob Thompson kind of being that guy in Philly? Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that when he replaced Joe Girardi, he just set a different tone in that clubhouse. Everybody kind of exhaled and relaxed and was allowed to sort of be themselves. As he says, uh, you know, all the time, there's a difference between having fun and messing around, and he wants the players (laughs) to have fun. And he said this team knows the line, right? And it's just his ability to really communicate with people and interact with people, uh, you know, is, is a big deal. And I almost think in, in professional sports today, you know, the X's and O's are obviously important and they're one thing, but more importantly, especially in a sport where ba- like baseball, where you're together every day from like February 14th, you know, hopefully if you're successful to, you know, November 3rd or 4th, it's your interactions and how you treat people that are just as important if you're the manager. And he just has done a great job of that. And you can't argue with the results. And so far in this postseason, he is pulling all the right levers, too. I mean, his bullpen moves in, uh, you know, game one of the Braves series, going to the bullpen to get 16 outs in the clinching game, going to the bullpen, putting guys in in different spots. You know, he hasn't made a wrong move in the playoffs so far this year, but his way he treats people the way he treats the players his interactions with them uh you know really speaks volumes and and i think that's a big reason why the phillies have been so successful well it's going to be a heck of a game number one heck of a series i mean uh, the diamondbacks um they've kind of been similar to the phillies in the sense where they're a team that's uh peaking at the right time on a roll uh should be a great series uh, uh really looking forward to it uh, thanks for your time tonight uh, or this morning michael enjoy the game uh tonight and it should be a good series uh will do thanks for having me on appreciate it all right that's michael mcgarry the press of atlantic city uh game number one tonight it'll be uh zach gallon versus Zach Wheeler, so the old Zach attack in game number one. Uh, this afternoon is Texas and Houston, game number two. Fromber Valdez goes up against Nathan Evaldi, who had a sensational year and has continued it on in the playoffs uh, for the Rangers. When we come back, it's time to talk a little football from a local perspective. Lawal Uguak, Montreal Alouettes defensive lineman and the former Harry Ainley Titan joins us on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Forbes, best rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit TrustRam.com for more information. And our next guest has definitely elevated his game as we welcome in Lawal Uguak from the Montreal Alouettes in his first year with the Owls in the CFL. Uh, morning, Lawal. How's it going? Thanks for doing this, by the way. Good morning. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm happy to be here uh, at home right now. 
so it's just, everything's pretty good so far. Yeah, exactly. So you're home for the bye week. Uh, the Alouettes played the Elks on Saturday afternoon. Uh, man, oh man. I mean, you were a young boy watching games at Commonwealth Stadium for many, many years. What was it like to play in there as a professional? It was definitely uh, kind of surreal uh, when I first got to the stadium. Kind of took a lap around the field. Uh <clears throat> Just from, like remembering that time where I've uh, I've been on I played on that field twice. One was a halftime show when I was about ten. Been to this many games since I was young, and uh, also for my city finals for high school. And it's just kind of reminiscing on those on those thoughts. Just um, the fact that I'm I'm really in the position right now is <clears throat> it's pretty it's pretty surreal, and I'm just happy to be happy to be, happy to have been a, a help for my team. For sure. Uh, Lawal Uguak, uh, the Montreal Alouettes, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So you did mention you played the one game with Harry Ainley in the finals there. Can you remember a little bit about that game? Uh, take us back uh, to that time when you were playing uh, that high school championship with Ainley. Uh, that was 2017. I remember it was cold. It was very <laughs> cold. I think it was like minus 20. <laughs> uh, we played against Belrose. And um, I don't remember the score, but I think we... we uh, we won by by a pretty good amount. It was, mm-hmm. it was definitely exciting to to play on that field again at that time. And then it feels like this is the third stage of my life. You know, coming back, playing, going from playing as a little, as a as very young uh, at a halftime show to playing at high school, uh, and then now coming back to play and kind of like I don't want to say the villain, but on the <laughs> other side, of the, other side of the of the <clears throat> other side of the field. You know. Just, yeah. You know, I've, I've always been an Elks, Elks fan since I was young, and, you know, playing against them was definitely a good experience. Uh, I remember for a while. For sure, and it was uh, fun watching you fly around the field. We had uh, uh, Danny Machocha on uh, Friday morning, and he just raved about uh, where you've come in such a short time so far with the Alouettes. Mm-hmm. You had a massive play in the game where you stripped a, a Trey Ford, forced the fumble, and it led to an Alouettes touchdown. Can you just run us through what happened and the progressions on that play? Um. So it was it was a it was the second half. I think there was like three minutes left in the in the second the quarter. Half, sorry, yeah, it was, uh, second quarter. Yeah, first half. There's like three minutes left in the first half. Um, we were down. I think it was ten to twenty one. So we 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 were down. I think we could have started hotter. Um, playing playing in that game, things kind of took us by surprise. Uh, in the first quarter, you know, they 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 took advantage of the mistakes that we made. So the game kind of settled down for most of us you know obviously for them too they were having troubles uh, moving the ball and uh <clears throat> we had just scored on offense so we had a little bit of momentum and um it was the first play it was the first play coming back from the scoring i, I uh then my rushes were kind of different because you know playing scrambling quarterback is kind of different and as I was rushing, I realized that he was really staying in the pocket, and the tackle was setting a little deep. I had the one-on-one to my side, um, took him to the set point, and uh, you know I was able to turn the edge. And uh, I was really, really trying to go for the sack, and I seen it was perfect timing where he, he was he was bringing the ball back to release it, and I tried my best to punch it out, punch it out. Could, kind of couldn't see what happened after I, I like I I was spun around and I was mm-hmm. on the ground. Uh, I heard I heard him. You know, I don't want to say I don't want to repeat what he said, but he, <laughs> I, I knew something. I knew I, I, I did I did something that affected the game. But, uh, yeah. Quarterback obviously didn't have the ball in his hand, and I turned around and see my boy Mustafa running back <laughs> a touchdown, and I was like, okay, he got wheels, he got ran trade. <laughs> uh, you know, it was kind of we as a D line. I feel like we complement each other a lot, 
uh, all across the D-line, especially with uh, we've kind of found our stride late in the season. And, you know, we've been trying our best to, to make plays that, that, you know, change the game just like that. Uh, Luol Uguak is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. So, Luol, let's go back a little bit uh, from your Harry Ainley days and then where you had the opportunity to go down to the NCAA. Can you kind of tell us your path, your journey of that stage of your life? Uh, yeah, so I started getting uh, recruitment, recruited uh, around around the end of my grade 11 year. Uh yeah, grade 11 season finished, uh, the recruiting kind of, I put my tape together. I was already planning on playing for Team Canada, uh, mm-hmm. Team, Al- Team Alberta. Uh, we were going to Nova Scotia to play in Canada Cup. Uh, so I, I, my recruiting was, it was, it was, it was pretty decent in the, in around Canadian schools. And, you know, I kind of, I, I had, <clears throat> I had, uh, like hopes and dreams, you know, playing mm-hmm. football, my brother, played uh, basketball and it worked for him you know just seeing his work ethic and and being able to kind of see see where he his motivation came from and just knowing that he, he was able to do that kind of gave me the motivation to do it myself uh recruiting kind of didn't really take off until uh uh one of my friends chuba hubbard he kind of kind of you know put, helped me <clears throat> get in touch with some recruiting platforms he's also an edmonton native yep. for the panthers now um he kind of put me, I guess, uh, put me in the right, in the right uh, situation to, to kind of help my recruiting go. And and since then, it, I was ta- I talked to a couple schools, uh, getting grades and stuff like that. The early recruiting process, and I didn't get my first offer until uh, I want to say uh, July mm-hmm. 2017, and it was Fresno State. We were at Canada Cup when it happened, so it was, it was pretty surreal for me. And I was already at that tournament. It kind of gave me a little more motivation to go even harder. Knowing that I that I just you know get my foot through the door to get one offer. Obviously, things didn't work out with Fresno State, but yeah, had a, uh, some recruiting um, from you know other schools. UConn became the favorite uh, throughout the season. I committed to them after my senior year at Hayden, and uh, went and you know played there for played there for uh, three years. Mm-hmm. I was there for four years, but we played. I played three seasons. We had the COVID. Yeah, uh, we didn't play that year. Uh, decided to transfer, went to TCU, um, and, you know, that... That's where it all came together for you, right? I mean, at TCU, you went to the national championship. You were the first ever, you know, a player from Edmonton High School to play in the national championship. What was that experience like uh, as a a Horn Frog? That experience was definitely very, like, surreal. That whole... Uh, felt, honestly, it felt honestly felt like uh, I don't want to say it felt like a movie, but it was <laughs> it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy, and I'm I'm, you know, I'm I'm happy I got to experience that with my guys up there. I made some really really good friends, and you know people that uh people that uh you know keep in my corner for for a long time. Um, just the overall um, the the some coaching all the way down to the very bottom. Uh, like they do things the right way over there. Like you know taught me a lot of lessons, even though I was there for a year. Um, that I, that I carry with me to this day. It was, it was it was very wild playing in those mission, playing in the Fiesta Bowl, and and making it to the national championship. Obviously, things didn't go our way, mm-hmm. but um, no one can take that from me that I that I was one. Of, I didn't even know that I was the only player from Edmonton High School like in, in history to play in a national championship. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's a cool um, thing for sure. 
Um, Lawal Ugwak is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So, hey, Lawal, can you touch on your family? And, I mean, I've interviewed you a few times over the years, and I've interviewed uh, your brother, her, over the years many times as well. Uh, just kind of let our listeners know about your family's journey from Sudan in the late 70s to, you know, kind of being coming to Edmonton, being a part of the community, and then how sports has been such an important part of the family. Right. Uh, so my family uh, moved from South Sudan to Egypt, uh, I think, late uh, 1990s, yep. late, like, like 96 and 97. My older brother here was born there. Um, not uh, short, Shortly after they, they made their way to Edmonton, uh, there was... <clears throat> There was uh, like the end of the, towards the end of the civil war between South Sudan uh, between in Sudan it's now South Sudan and, mm-hmm. and just Sudan, but uh, that was kind of one of the reasons why my family fled to Egypt, uh, uh, moved to moved to Canada, uh, Edmonton, and uh, you know uh, my family. My mom was 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 definitely new to the country, so she kind of she did what she could to to help. Uh, help provide for us and help, you know, learning, learning a new language and being in a foreign country where it's all in a cold country at that. Yeah. So, um, so it was just, it was definitely, uh, these are things that I've been told by, uh, as well. Like I was born in Canada. So what I know is from what I saw from my older siblings and, and just, uh, always being around family. I have, uh, I have four brothers mm-hmm. and one sister. Yep. So, uh, we have a pretty big family. Um, we've always been really tight knit. I didn't, I didn't start playing sports until until I was six, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousins played for the Edmonton Chargers. They were they're a lot not uh, they're, they're a little older than I am, but they started playing. Um, and me and my my brother, we we go to we all, all went to the same daycare, and we all grew up with each other. So. When they started playing football, and we'd go over to their house in the summer, you know, there was a field over there. We'd always play football, just flag, uh, touch football, of course. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess that was my pre-trial to actually playing. I didn't. I, I was playing football with them in the summers, and then I'd go do taekwondo. And then I realized I didn't really want to do taekwondo, and I wanted to play football. And from then, started with the Edmonton Chargers, and that's uh, obviously realized that I had a love for the game, and it's brought me all the way here. For sure, Lualu Guaca, the Montreal Alouettes, and former Harry Ainley Titans, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, I interviewed uh, uh, her, your brother, uh, you know, when he was just came to the Stingers because he was playing overseas, and I said, can you give me an update of where all the siblings are playing and what they're doing? So I'm going to say the same thing to you. What's everybody doing? Can you run down? And also, was this kind of the first time that you've been able to spend some time in Edmonton because you've been so busy? Uh, uh, her even said the same thing. Very rarely do we all get together. So kind of touch on that, Lowell. So uh, I'm with the Montreal Alouettes right now. Here's with Chemnitz 99ers in Germany. Um, my younger brother is playing football at Queens right now. And my youngest bro- uh, brother is finishing out his, his, his last season at Harry Amy. He's also a D-lineman. He's been <laughs> having a pretty good season so far. So I'm happy that they're, they're, they're carrying on the traditions. Um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely been a good time to be home. I know it's only been a couple of days, but feeling the comfort of being at home and just being able to be around that. Sometimes you don't realize how important it is until you're gone for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things kind of change every time I come back. You know, like my youngest brother is almost the same height as me, and 
like four or five months ago when I came for a brief, brief uh, couple of days. It didn't seem that way, you know. And it's every every everything's changing, and <clears throat> I guess I'm changing too. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm learning a lot of things about myself, being a professional now and being alone, and um, and just just continuing to to take take each week, each take day by day, week by week, and just continuing to be better on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's been uh, it's been a while since we've all been together in the same place uh i also have a my oldest brother he's he's 28 and he's working in bc right now so even still like we like there's just been a while we always stay in contact with mm-hmm. group, group chats and just facetimes and stuff i know it's a it's a, it's a lot of us in there a lot of voices but <laughs> it's just great to be around family you know i love i love them so much i do everything for them yeah cool stuff as we're speaking with lawal uguak montreal alouettes uh, and uh text coming in to one 401 this comes from uh, coach mel um, congratulations on your great year, Lowell. Keep it up. I'm, um, I'm not sure if you know exactly who that is, but just oh, can you? Yeah, Coach, coach Mel. Yeah, wow, that's that's very crazy. Coach Mel was my first ever football coach for the Edmonton Chargers. Wow. And I don't know if he's still coaching there, but he's he's definitely one of the I, w- I would say founding fathers over there at uh, at uh, Edmonton Chargers. That's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks, Coach Mel. If you're listening, you know I miss you. It's been a long time. And just know you are definitely a part of this journey. Yeah, that, that's great that the two of you could kind of connect here. Um, so who are some of the other, I guess, coaches or people that influenced you to kind of get where you are, Lowell? Uh Definitely, you can start out Coach Mel, for sure. Um, uh, rest in peace to one of the one of the ladies that kind of started the, the football, the Edmonton Chargers um, uh, football club, Susan Morgan. For sure, she definitely helped my family a lot. She's not with us anymore, but uh, forever in my thoughts. And you know, she definitely helped with uh, with uh, just, I guess, introducing my family to football and and making Edmonton Chargers a safe place for not only myself, but I had a lot of a lot of uh, family friends and younger Sudanese kids that came and played and and uh, after me and and kind of I guess looked up and tried to try to follow the footsteps. And if it wasn't for for that place being such an accepting facility and football mm-hmm. club, then it wouldn't have been the case. Uh, uh, James Devine, who is a uh, student son as well, he was one of my uh, coaches there. Um, uh, at Harry Ainley, Coach Brock, yep. and uh, Coach Greenslade, you know, and definitely uh, Coach Hoyt. I had, a, I had a really good support system at Harry Ainley, and they kind of, they really helped me stay on the right track and just continue to, to take take my game to a higher level. Uh you know, these are people that they, they saw me as a leader, and I guess I wouldn't have been comfortable being one if they didn't have the confidence in me uh, from the start. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely want to shout those people out. Uh, they, they definitely helped create a foundation in, in, in what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go, and, and they helped me along the way. Well, you're a perfect example for this segment, uh, Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts. So I assume you still have NFL aspirations. Uh, you were, um, you, you know, you, you had that kind of a thought process before being drafted by the Alouettes in the first round. But can you kind of tell us, I know, and I know you, you, you got your, your focus is on the playoffs coming up here. You're on a bye week, but, and you're focused on what the Alouettes can do uh, in the playoffs here. But can you kind of just touch on what you want to do personally again in the future as well? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, that's that's definitely always been something that I wanted to be able to accomplish, just playing in the NFL. I had a couple of workouts and and uh, uh, camps that, that I went to before I came to the CFL. But at the moment, I like I really just really just want to focus on, you know, what I'm going to do today and, mm-hmm. and how I'm going to help my, my team and myself get better today. You know, that's one thing that I definitely feel like that I've, uh, I've matured upon. Is just we're worrying about what I'm going to do and to be better in the day and in the moment and just be where my feet are because you know I don't think uh, it's I don't think it's possible to really be at your best when you're when you're focusing on too many things at once. You yeah. know I'm here in the CFL right now, I'm here in Edmonton right now, and, and you know I just want to enjoy enjoy what, uh, what 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 comes with being being in the moment right now. So that's definitely how I feel with that. It's still definitely a dream and and you know it's something that I worked towards for a long time, but. I'm playing in front of. I just played in front of my family, and yeah. I don't think I played in front of my family in a long time. So it was really, really, really good that I was able to, you know, to to come home and and, and do that. Oh, it's a, a put great a smile on my new and nephew's oh. faces, and you know, it's great to see that. That, that that's a great great story, and I, I just want to end this with our listeners and tell a story to them about uh, you and I were texting back and forth. Uh, Gene Principe, who everyone knows, who Gene is in town. When the Oilers were playing in L.A. at the same time that you were playing in the national championship um, uh, last year or earlier this year, I texted you because Gene asked me. He said, "Hey, is there any chance? Because we just did a story on you. You know, we did a Zoom when I was working over at Global, you and I. And uh, Gene said to me, "Is there any?" chance that you know that Lawal if we could could we talk to him and I go well Jeannie's kind of busy with the national championship but I said I'll give him a text I'm not sure if he's going to respond because he's kind of busy and Gene goes I totally understand so I shot you off a text and I said listen is there any chance that you know you if Gene and a camera crew could you talk to them and you said oh for sure just but they got to come to the hotel remember that because you said you said <laughs> yeah. I, I can't leave yeah. the hotel so yeah, uh, we couldn't leave the hotel in, uh, in downtown LA we have very strict policies and rules, especially with uh, with the size and the, of the game and how important it was. Mm-hmm. Well, really appreciate your time, Lawal. I mean, uh, I, and enjoy your time here. I mean, with the chance to see your your friends and your family, it doesn't get to to happen very often. So really enjoy this uh, next uh, few days before you head back to Montreal to close out the season. And we wish you all the very best uh, in the playoffs uh, with the Alouettes. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for the call, and I uh, hope you have a great day as well. Yeah, that's uh, Lawal Uguak uh, for the Montreal Alouettes in the community. And pardon me, Elevate Your Game. I was looking at the wrong liner there. Elevate Your Game by Rams Elevator and Lift. Um, manufacturing the safest elevator since 1987. Trust Ram.com. And did you know, Duke, that there is a certain Ram Elevator and Lift in someone's house that might wear number 97 in town. Now you know. Is that so? That is so, yes. Ram elevators and lifts. Put in the elevator in number 97's shack. Now you know, Duke. Now you know. There, that's a second uh, great little factoid I've picked up this morning. Nothing but uh, wisdom, it's, both wisdom and knowledge. It's just a wealth of information. Yeah, is what it some, is. Most people are fortunate to have one or the other, wisdom <laughs> or knowledge. But I'm uh, I'm blessed to get both coming from the other side of the board here. You know, Kevin Carey. Uh, and it was great talking with uh, Low Tide on Saturday. We talked about a lot of things, and I'm wondering where he, how he feels about the passing of Suzanne Summers. And I don't. I'm not sure if you know the old show Three's Company, Duke. 
Uh, I'm not familiar with it, or sorry, I'm familiar with it. I've never yeah. seen it. And yeah. then I obviously saw that news uh, this morning yeah. as well. I'm betting that Low Tide watched many episodes of Three's Company. I'm just going to, we'll talk about that and more after the break when we wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the program for the home stretch. Uh, Kevin Carey, so along with the Duke Delburn, Brandon Douglas. Uh, so Duke, was that the worst Sunday night football game that you've ever seen last night? Bills and Giants. So thankfully, I didn't have to watch very much of it. I had a, uh, a men's league game, or ah. as I like to call it, because I'm not trying to prop myself up, a beer league game oh, okay. uh, down at the Drake at 8 o'clock. So I caught the first quarter, give or take, and as we came in for the intermissions and after the game and, and checked the score and the box scores for our fantasy implications of everybody on the team and whatnot, uh, I said, I was like, What's been worse this year, Thursday night football games or Sunday night football games? Because there's been a lot of blowouts, uh, a lot of not great football games. Um, And it's disappointing. And, and, I mean, as a Bills fan, I'm pretty sure our uh, good buddy Freddie Declan Kruger uh, with the Low Tide (laughs) Show, he's a Bills guy. I'd be curious to pick his brain today and ask what he's thinking because the Bills have looked like world beaters at points and they've looked uh, pretty suspect at others as well. Maybe because they were in London, you know, coming back from London, that had something to do with it. But it was just a blah game. I mean, holy cow. And then, you know what? Uh, what was this? So at the end of the half, terrible clock management by the Giants. Cost them three points minimum. I mean, just terrible clock management. I wanted to give a big shout out. And uh, Lawal Uguak talked about him. Uh, Chuba Hubbard with a great game. Uh, we were talking about it on Friday. Wouldn't it be awesome for Chuba Hubbard uh, from Sherwood Park, Bev Facey Falcon, to have a 100-yard rushing game? Well, he ripped off 88 yards, had a rushing touchdown, and had a couple of receptions against uh, Miami. And that game, it was funny because Carolina got out to a little bit of a lead, and then Miami said, uh, you know, get out of the way, we're busy kind of thing. Um, so, you know, congrats to Chuba Hubbard. Got a text and I haven't opened it yet. You know when you, the text comes up and you see it, but you don't you don't see what the the body of it is. Mm-hmm. But it, it came from the commissioner of our fantasy football league, so I don't know what it says yet because I haven't got to it. But so now, uh, my team is zero and seven now after losing to probably the worst team besides me in the league. I put up 75 points yesterday. I'll just... Joe Mixon, nine points, 9.2. Um, everyone, I, 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 um, let's see. Nico Collins is the only guy in double digits. Mm. Um, the kicker, Matt Gay, had more points than five guys. So... I'm going to just open this text right now and just have a look at it. <laughs> and it comes from Mark Levers, and, of course, he's the guy down at first round that I tell everyone to go buy a beer from, da-da-da-da-da, on Monday nights and Thursday nights, etc. cetera. Oh, here it is. Why did you leave the group chat? <laughs> so I pulled out of the group chat last night because I've had it. I'm sick of it. I might even pull out of the league. I've had it with fantasy football. I know Gregor is just crowing about this. Because for years, uh, it's, I can't even talk about it, Duke. I'm starting, my blood pressure is going up right now. So 
it's time to, you know, I don't have anyone to trade. Joe Mixon is the only guy I could trade that would be worth anything to anyone. That's how bad it is. It's embarrassing. Anything else in uh, week, uh, what are we at? Five, six, I guess. Week six in the NFL. Uh, There were some upsets in there. I mean, the, the Cleveland game. I mean, really, San Fran with a, what was it, a 41-yard field goal by Moody attempt? Mm-hmm. Probably should have made it. Just missed it. Uh, but anytime you're kicking in Cleveland outdoors, you never know. Da, 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 da. That's probably the, the biggest one. Well, you know what? Jets and Philly. That was another big upset. There were a lot of dogs that came through. Yeah, I was I was heavy on uh, betting some dogs yesterday, including okay. my own Houston Texans. I loved that uh, matchup against the Saints. The Commanders, they were dogs to the Falcons. I liked that one. Mm-hmm. And um, I was partially, I, I took the Seahawks to cover um, the three points versus the Bengals. I wasn't sure they could win, but I took them to cover uh, as dogs. The, the other ones, Commanders and Texans, I took straight up. But they and they were right in that game the whole time. Uh, the Bengals still not, like I said, kind of looked like they were starting to turn things around. Back to a few more question marks now all of a sudden. Um, like you said, Joe Mixon, not another mm-hmm. great game, but still a ton of potential with the Bengals moving forward. But yeah, the Browns, the uh, the Jets, huge upsets, of course. Uh, and then last night, the Giants, it certainly looked like it was within, yeah. their, within their grasp all night long because the Bills just couldn't pull away. Um, but otherwise, and the Colts were the other big, uh, or sorry, pardon me, the Colts, no, they lost. But mm-hmm. the um, yeah, there was upsets uh, across the board and, uh, and a couple blowouts as well. I mean, the Cardinals have a team that they've looked feisty, but the Rams handled them. And you said the, the Panthers, they went up 14 nothing on the Dolphins, <laughs> but that was pretty short-lived and brief. So overall, I, I enjoyed the, the slate of games yesterday. I was feeling a little bit under the weather, so I was kind of uh, in and out of a nap here and there amongst the <laughs> amongst the slate. So but, what do you mean under the weather? Is that from Saturday night? Well, it, Not really, no, because after we left the casino, which was not that much later than you, Don't even say, start. We uh, we went for one more spin around. Uh, we I hadn't got to the dingers yet as... Uh, as I say, I'd only played the table, so I went for a quick spin on a couple machines. No luck doing. No, none of us were really winning anything, so we parted out of there and just headed home. And um, I dropped the the other two guys that were with me, Denton and Alex, off at uh, another friend's house. And I, you know what? I knew I had to be up for that bright and early Ravens Titans game from Tottenham. So I went to bed, but yeah, just not feeling uh, too great. I don't know if it was a um, a little bug or just uh, not enough sleep, which is always an issue with me because I'm always pushing the limits on that. But I think. Uh once the Leafs go on a bit of a tailspin, we should get Onion Lake Denton on. <laughs> Try and defend his position that he's yeah. been holding so staunchly here uh, two games into the year. Onion Lake Denton. Yeah, that's how I met him on Saturday night. It's not. That's kind of not, not a bad handle. That's Yeah, Onion Lake Denton. Oh, good Lord. You know, he was actually a funny dude. He, I do. I try and surround myself with uh, some good folk, and most of them are of the uh, rural variety, like myself, uh, coming from agriculture backgrounds and whatnot. <laughs> and and Denton, yeah, I met him while at the U of A, kind of in my last couple of years there. But uh, we've been pretty good buddies ever since. And him and uh, him and the other guy that was there with me, they're going down to Vegas this fall to uh, to watch a Chiefs uh, Raiders game. Spent a lot of money on the tickets. I won't say exactly how much. But well, you can say no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say they're they're not sitting too far away from the field uh, at Allegiant Stadium. So yeah, they paid a pretty penny for him. But uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna be watching on TV, see if I can see him out there. Hmm. Uh, just to update the Oilers, the Oilers practice this morning at ten o'clock. 
uh, will get on a flight, I guess probably within the next couple of hours, down to Music City uh, to play the Predators tonight, and then they will take on the uh, Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday. Uh, Boy, I was, you know, you always think about, you know, and I know Suzanne Summers, when I was growing up, like she was a very, you know, you kind of thought about her as like a kind of a, I don't know, a voluptuous woman that was, you know, like... Uh, she was she was the hot girl in town. She was one of them, you know, yeah. one of them. But, I mean, and the Three's Company was a very popular show, and, you know, they had the, the, the you know, Don Knotts was in it, Norman Fell, uh, you know, Janice. Janet was the, other, the, the dark-haired woman, and then uh, Jack Tripper was the, the, the roommate. So, anyway, I'm, be- I'm betting that uh, Low Tide talks about this today at noon. I think he will. Uh, I better say one thing, too, or I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. Uh, today is uh, anniversary number 13 for Laura and Kevin. Um, the old uh, Laura Baker and I met 16, no, 13 years ago on October 16th. That was our first date. Wow. Rod Phillips set us up. Isn't that so? Yeah, Rod Phillips, the uh, play-by-play man of the Oilers. We were at the country club the week prior, and I said to Rod, uh, Laura was standing over there in the corner, yeah, it was kind of the one of the last rounds of the year. And I said, hey, Rod, who's that over there? And he goes, KK, that's Laura Baker. Don't even think about it. She's way out of your league. <laughs> and that is a true story from RP Rod Phillips. You got any big plans for uh, for the day then? I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> Until just this moment right <laughs> no, now. No, I, I, we talked about it yesterday, but uh, I'll, I'll figure something out for tonight. I don't know. You know, Monday Night Football. <laughs> You know or order in the, the best pizza, no, your, your favorite pizza yeah, from uh, last week. Maybe, but no, you know what? She'll watch all the games and stuff except for baseball. Can't handle watching baseball. Oh, well. She just finds it a little too slow yeah. and I dry. Or- well, happy anniversary, honey. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, thanks for uh, everybody coming on today. Uh, wasn't it cool to have Terry Poole on? I mean, that's, again, that was one of the top, players before duke had you did you know much about terry Poole before we no i didn't that was a great interview i i was super excited that we had him on this morning that was fun to listen to great storyteller uh and had lots of stories 15 years in the majors 15 uh, years with the houston astros a little bit with kansas city uh at the end Uh, mark Spector for booster juice on the mark at eight o'clock he'll be with us tomorrow morning from music city um ian herbers uh golden bears hockey coach michael gelkin from the dallas morning news guested with us. Uh, Pete Weber, that, there was another uh, interview, Duke, we're talking about stories and things, and uh, glad that Pete Weber is uh, 100% got COVID now, but he'll be back in the broadcast booth uh, with the Predators uh, starting on the weekend. Michael McGarry, the press of Atlantic City, and then more stories, and how about that, elevating your game for Ram Lifts, uh, Lawal Uguak, Montreal Alouette's uh, family comes from Sudan, then ends up in Edmonton, I mean, a herd plays for the Stingers, playing overseas basketball now. The youngest, uh, Deng, is uh, um, playing for Harry Ainley. Uh, the other brothers in Queens. Talk about a family that's uh, playing some outstanding athletics and all thanks to our great city here in Edmonton. Tomorrow, we got Corb Lund coming on. We got Billy Ranford coming on. We got Grant Fuhr, 9 to 11, our co-host, um, Man, it's been an exciting day. We'll look forward to tomorrow. Uh, Coming up at 11 o'clock, it is the former...
Rashep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn. Brandon Douglas with Fantasy Frenzy. Uh, Lowdown with Low Tide from noon to two. And then Jason Greger takes us home here on Sports 1440 from two to six. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you back here bright and early tomorrow at seven. First up, a sports update with the Duke.